Amen. All right. And so we are, uh, are beginning part two here of talking about what it means to belong to God's church. And so last week we looked at this, this idea, hey, if we're going to talk about what it means, what are the ramifications, what does that mean for our daily lives, we first have to ask the question, what is the church? And so we talked about and looked in the scriptures how the church isn't a time, place, organization. It is the family of God. It is the body of Christ, and we are part of the church, and it's not something that we attend. We don't attend church, but we are a part of God's church, and we know that Jesus is the leader of the universal church and also our local church as well. And so we are called to, if not, update our view of God's church. And so if we have the proper view of God's church, that will have a, a direct impact on our decisions, but also our interactions and views of each other. And so we're going to continue talking about what it means to belong to God's church. And so the point here that we'll look at today is that when we belong to God's church, that means that we adhere to, we follow, we subscribe, we have, and we participate, but also we fully adopt God's kingdom, values, and ethics. You see, when we're a part of God's church, then that means that you and I fully adopt God's kingdom's values and ethics. Let's go ahead and let's pray before we get into the scriptures. God, again, you have been honored and glorified this morning. But God, we know that you are not done in ministering to us today. And Father, I pray that your word speaks clearly and loudly to every single one of us. Father, no matter where we are in our faith, maybe this is the first time that we're coming to a church service or the first time we've come to a service in years, or this is the, the, the millionth service that we've been to. I pray, God, no matter where we are in our faith, God, that your message will be communicated to each individual. And God, that we will again grow in our faith and convictions, will grow in the likeness of Christ, and God, we will fulfill your will in our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. Turn over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. This idea of that God's kingdom is really big in Jesus' ministry. And in fact, you can argue that was the message of Jesus' ministry. It says here in Matthew chapter 4, in verse 17, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Or you can translate that, is at hand. He says the kingdom of heaven, which it, it, kingdom of heaven you see in Matthew, you see the kingdom of God in other places, it's the same thing. He says, it is at hand. It has come near. Jesus started his ministry by proclaiming God's kingdom. Now, it's important here, if we're going to talk about kingdom values and ethics here, that we again are, are online with biblically what it is that we're actually talking about. And so what is the kingdom of God? And I know many of us did a Bible study when we were studying the Bible and coming to faith in Christ, in which we looked at what the kingdom of God is. And some of us through the years have seen how that is a particular scope of the kingdom of God, but does not accurately describe the whole totality of the kingdom of God. And so let's look and remind ourselves, or maybe relearn for the first time, the kingdom of God. First off, 
the kingdom of God that Jesus is referring to that we see in scriptures, it is a spiritual kingdom. It is not a physical kingdom in which we have King David again sitting upon a throne in which a nation is ruled by a divine ordained king, if you will. But this is a spiritual kingdom. And so what does that mean, again, even more so to have a spiritual kingdom? Well, the kingdom that Jesus is referring to and that you see throughout the rest of the New Testament is this. It's the reign and rule of Christ in our lives. And this is why Jesus says, hey, the kingdom, you can't say is here nor there. It is within you. And so when we're talking about this spiritual kingdom, it's Christ reigning and ruling in the lives of his followers. And so that is the kingdom of God. And so again, if we belong to God's church, and the kingdom of God is where God reigns and rules, then the church will be a part of God's kingdom. You guys get this. And so again, when we're talking about belonging to God's church, we're looking at what it means to belong and to, and to be a citizen under the rule and reign of Christ. And so this kingdom that Jesus preaches, that we see throughout the scriptures, especially even in the book of Matthew, it's over 50 times that Jesus tries to explain and describe what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so again, as we look through this and we study this out again, remember, it is a spiritual kingdom in which Jesus is the king, and it is really about him ruling and reigning in our hearts and in our lives. And so again, God's church is a part of God's kingdom. Church, are you with me here? So Matthew chapter 4, let's read again in verse 23. We jump down and Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom has good news. Jesus' message is good news. We have to remember that, church. It, it is good news. This isn't the daily news. This isn't that mandatory news. This is good news. It was good news to the Jews who were receiving this for the first time, and it's still good news today. So even as we want to share the good news, let's remember we're sharing something that's good. He says he went proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee to the capitalist Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. We'll stop right there. It says here, we get a snapshot, we get a little summary here of Jesus' ministry. Here he is going around, and he's proclaiming this good news of the kingdom. And then we go ahead and we see here in chapter 5 here, in verse 1 it says, now again, there were no chapters and verses when the Bible was originally written. And so it's helpful for us to find stuff, but sometimes it limits us in being able to see the connection and the flow of Scripture. You guys with me here? And so after giving this summary, it says here in verse 1, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, he said, and we'll stop right there. Now, this is interesting. Okay, we get this snapshot. Here's what Jesus does. He goes in, he helps people, he's talking to people, but he's proclaiming the good news, and then it says, hey, guys, so here's what happened next. 
He went up on his mountainside and he began to teach them. So what's taking place is Jesus now, what we get privy to is the teaching of Jesus when he went around preaching the good news of the kingdom. And so what we have now is the explanation of what this spiritual kingdom is like and what it's like to be a citizen in the kingdom of God here on earth. And so again, this is what we're seeing and what we have uh, called this and what I mean, is called this the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And so what Jesus is doing here, what we see, hey, here's what Jesus was doing. And then it goes right in, hey, let's tell you what happened. He went up on the mountainside and he started to give the meaning and understanding of what it means to be a citizen in this kingdom. And so we have here the king kind of giving his manifesto, Jesus' statement of the kingdom's moral principles. And again, understanding that this is what it means to be a member of God's church. And we see here that he's giving what we can call kingdom values and ethics. And my friend and former mentor, I'm not sure if he stole this or he came up with this himself, but he said, you can look at this as the Christian constitution. And so just like we look at American Constitution, we know, hey, here's what America's founded on. Here's what the values are and the moral response to these things. And so here we have for all true Christians, here is our Constitution, our understanding of the values of the kingdom of God and understanding of the lifestyle that's called for those who not only subscribe to, adhere to, but fully adopt the kingdom of God values and ethics. And so... And as we'll see, that Jesus is going to hit on a lot of things here. And we won't have time to read all of Matthew chapters 5 through 7. But we're going to see here he's talking about our heart and our lives, not just religious rituals. And not just a faith that is vain with rules. And it's been said, if you get the Sermon on the Mount, then you get Jesus. If you can get the Sermon on the Mount, then you get Jesus and his message, and you get his kingdom and his church. And it's interesting that it says on the mountainside, and this is a picture of one of the places that they think might be where uh, the Sermon on the Mount took place. This is in some random place in Fullerton. Well, I guess you can't see the water that close to Fullerton, right? So you knew that. And so we see here, that it's interesting that it says that on the mountainside he went. And so some believe that this is, this is intentional here by Jesus. Because just like Moses came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, ushering in the Old Covenant, Jesus here now is on the mountaintop giving the new constitution, new understanding, new principles and values of the new covenant and what it's like now to be in the spiritual kingdom of God. And so... We're going to see that the kingdom is marked by a number of distinguishing characteristics in which Jesus calls his followers to a higher standard than they were accustomed to. So let's get into it in Matthew chapter 5. And again, we're not going to have a chance to read all of Matthew 5 through 7. But some of the things that Jesus goes through, he gives us what we call the Beatitudes. He gives us what it means to be the salt and light of the earth. He's talking to his disciples and he says, you guys are the salt and earth. Of the, of the world. And then there's this high calling of standard of righteousness and how do we deal with our anger? How should we view anger? How do we view lust and, and purity? 
How do, how do we view uh, uh, faithfulness and commitment and integrity? And then we get into the classic, love your enemies. And so Jesus covers these kingdom values and ethics in Matthew 5 here, but I want us to read in verse 1 here. He says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, now when Jesus saw the, oh, okay, we actually did that twice. All right, here we go. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is interesting, isn't it? He says blessed, and, and many will say that blessed doesn't, it, it can actually confuse us when we hear blessed, thinking that God's going to bless. But blessed, you can actually substitute the word happy. And so what he says here, happy are those who are persecuted. Happy are the per, uh, peacemakers. And he gives us the value, but then he tells us, hey, here is the reward of valuing what I value. He says, look, you're going to be happy. Why? Because what? You are now the children of God. You inherit the earth. You will, be, you will be called children of God. You will have reward in heaven. And so we see this view and these attitudes that are completely contrary to what society values, don't we? You read this, you're like, uh, this doesn't even feel right sometimes as I read this. How can I have that perspective? But he says, hey, look, this is the kingdom that is at hand, that is near you, that God is ushering in is that we value things differently. We have a different perspective about life. And we see the results of having this attitude in view. And then we continue in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. We jump down to verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jumping on down to verse 24, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. We'll stop right there. Now this was eye-opening and eye-popping. The disciples are this ragtag group and they're like, wait, we're the salt of the earth? We're the light of the world? That's the way you view us? This should help us, right? You, you ever discouraged? Go to Matthew chapter 5, and Jesus says, you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Now, that calls for us to live like the light of the world, right? But he says, hey, guys, you are this. And then he goes on and he says, hey, your good deeds should shine. It should bring glory to God. Hey, then let's also talk. You know those Pharisees, and the Pharisees were the religious teachers and leaders of the time. He says, your righteousness has to surpass theirs and people are like hold up wait a minute these are the examples I, I, they do a whole lot some of these guys have like they have like tattoos of scriptures on them some of these guys are walking around and, and they, they fast twice a week 
some of these guys are doing some stuff. You want me to be more righteous than them? And Jesus will help us understand that the righteousness is just of holy living, but it's also righteousness of the hearts. And we'll see a shallow religion that Jesus exposes that he's trying to free us from. And again, the values and ethics of what it means to be a citizen in his kingdom. And so we continue in Matthew chapter 6. Church, are you still with me here? Matthew chapter 6 here, again, talking about kingdom values and ethics. Jesus starts to talk about what true religion is and this idea of spiritual formation. He talks about giving to the needy. And it's interesting, he doesn't tell them, hey, to go give to the needy. He says, when you do give to the needy. When you do. He knows the citizens of my kingdom, that's what they're going to do. I don't even need to go tell them because they've seen that in me. They know this is a part of God's will, so they're going to do it. But when you do it, let's do it the right way. And so then he also explains on how to pray. And making sure that we're praying to God and not looking for some type of self-glorification. Talks about true treasures and the treasure in heaven or treasures being on earth and living in Southern California. That's very difficult to hold on to, isn't it? We can look around at our neighbors and see a lot of treasures right here. And we start to envy or want the same things. We want to keep up with the Joneses. But he talks about true treasure. And then he goes on to talking about priorities in seeking God's kingdom. Let's look at that real quickly here. Matthew 6, 31, Jesus has been talking about, hey, don't worry about things. And he gets here and he says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, those who don't know or worship the true God, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He says, seek first his kingdom and righteousness. Not seek his kingdom. Seek what? Seek first his kingdom. And again, he's not talking about seeking God's church, even though that's part of God's kingdom. He's talking about seeking the kingdom of God first. Well, the kingdom of God is where God reigns and rules. It's a relationship with God. It's God's will. It's God's purposes. It's God's mission. It is God's people. And so when I seek the kingdom of God first, I'm seeking for Jesus to rule and reign in my life. To rule and reign in my interactions with others. To rule and reign in my decision-making, to rule and reign in my profession or in my schooling. First off, I'm seeing, does this align with Jesus being the head of my life in this area? If I take this job or the way I perform or the type of student and employee I am, is this in line with Jesus being the ruler and reign of my life? Or does it look like somebody else is ruling and reigning? In our marriages, we seek the kingdom of God first. Jesus is going to rule and reign in my marriage. Eric and Daniela about to get married. Jesus needs to be the one that they seek first to be the leader and head of their marriage. And I know that's a joke, but honestly, that's what we do subconsciously. Wait, hold up. 
Hold up. I thought I was the man. And that's how you get yourself in trouble. And the girl goes, uh uh-uh. <laughs> But some of us think that just because I go to God's church, just because I signed up, just because I got baptized, that means he's automatically ruling and reigning in my life. No. We have to submit to the ruler. We have to submit to his reign over our relationships. How we date. Does Jesus rule and reign in our dating relationship? Does he rule and reign over our finances? I'm going to say that again. Does he rule and reign in our finances? When you sit there and do your budget, I don't do a budget. First off, do a budget. When you do your budget, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Is it what I offer to God? Is it what I offer to God? You can tell your priorities by your schedule and your, and, and, and your bank statements. You can tell your priorities by your schedule and your bank statements. If I tell you I love my kids, oh, I love my kids, I can't wait, I just love them so much. Ah. And you say, how much time you spend with them? None. You really love them that much, Marcel? Yeah, but I got other things I need to do first. I love the Lord, I'm giving to his kingdom. But my bank statement doesn't reflect that. I see how much I can keep. You know, I'm a, I'm a journalist by trade. I study broadcast journalism uh, in college. And so I like to stay abreast of what's going on in the world. And so uh, it's probably bad for me. I'm hearing too much of what's going on in the world. But I need to know what's going on in the world because I don't want to have my head in the sand. And as you guys are bringing stuff up, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so it helps me, so I try to keep up, and so I'm listening to things here, and I know that there's a lot of fear about a recession coming up. There's a lot of fear about the inflation, and man, I just spent $90 on my Nissan Ultima for gas. I said, $90? I said, Karina, we doing Zoom for everything. I can't meet anybody. But there's all this talk about fear, and I know some of us are more in tune, some of us aren't, but I know what happens with God's people. The temptation, oh no, there's all these things going on, recession, all these things. So let me pull back from giving to God. Is that the reign and rule of Christ? And that's what some of us, let's be honest, that's what some of us are doing right now. And that you're not even afraid. It's just because Jesus isn't reigning and ruling in your heart right now. And so Jesus, again, if we seek first his kingdom, then yes, he will be Lord of our finances, Lord of our time and our schedule, Lord of our parenting. And yes, we will go to church services and meetings. When I seek first his kingdom, of course, I'm going to seek his will, his mission, his people. So yes, I'll be there on Sunday. Yes, I'll be there when the family group meets up. Yes, I'll be there, bro, sis, when it's time to get together and strengthen one another. Because I'm seeking God's kingdom first. I'm seeking his reign and rule over my life and his righteousness. I don't think I've heard too many sermons where they hit on the righteousness part. We just like the, the first part. Okay, I think I can get that, but it's righteousness. So yes, we are called to be righteous. And yes, it is a righteous of the heart. It starts there, and it leads to a holy lifestyle. Church, are you with me? Let's continue. Matthew chapter 7. 
He gets on, he starts talking about judging people, ask, seek, knock, you get the golden rule, treat others as you would want yourself to be treated. He talks about true and false apostles, I mean, true and false prophets and true and false disciples. What does it mean to respond to the message of Christ? And so I want us to close out or, or, or want us to go to the end of his sermon here in Matthew chapter 7 in uh, verse 34, 24 to 27. Sorry, that's wrong on the screen there. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. And, uh, ooh, did I go backwards? No, I didn't. No, I guess I just messed up here. All right. So here we go. Matthew chapter 7. Go ahead in your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He says, therefore, therefore, always remember, what did he say beforehand? He finished Matthew chapter 5 all the way up to chapter 7. And here we go. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, what words, Jesus? All the words in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. But everyone who hears these words of mine, does that apply to you and me today? Yes. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And this is how he closes out his sermon. Hey, guys, I've given you the kingdom values. I've given you the ethics. I've given you these things, practical things, things to help you out, understand, God, what it's like to be a citizen. But here's what it all comes down to. Now put it into practice. Go ahead and live this out. Because some of us view the Sermon on the Mount, that's just lofty language. That's just like the ideal. Jesus doesn't really expect us to live up to this. What I just read, he said, anyone who hears these words and puts them into what? Practice. He's not saying, hey, this is a great theory. This is just, just some good food for thoughts. Let's just sit down and talk about it all day. How about you study it for two hours? and then do nothing with it. He says, look, everything I've just said, put it into practice. He said, well, I have a time, hard time living up to it. So do I. And guess what? Jesus and the apostles give instructions on what to do when you fall short. And so we don't give ourselves, we don't cut ourselves some slack and say, well, that's his ideal. He doesn't really mean for me to do all that. Yes, he does. And this is true religion. This is what it means to be a citizen in the kingdom of God. And so just like you, if you were to, uh, let's say, join a fraternity or sorority or a political party or some social club, if you will, if you sign up and agree to it, what are you signing up and agreeing to? What? Their values and ethics. You're agreeing. Hey, okay, I want to be a part of this. This is what you guys are about, so I'm agreeing to that. And so as we enter into the kingdom of God, we are not only adhering and agreeing to, but fully adopting as our own his kingdom values and ethics. It's not something we just agree with. It is our own conviction. And through a relationship with God, we actually see the fruit of, but we also see his reasoning and our strengthening of our faith and convictions in these areas. And so again, if I belong to God's church, then I adopt kingdom values and ethics.
And this is achievable by what he says in Matthew 6, seeking his kingdom. When we seek his kingdom first, the reign and rule, we're seeking Christ, we're seeking a relationship with God, we're seeking his will, we're seeking his people, and we're seeking his mission. And when we seek, guess what happens with our walk with God? It gets stronger and stronger. And we don't have times with God, we walk with God. I have a walk with God. And I do spend intentional time with God, but I have a walk with God. That is my life. I'm seeking to reign and rule in my small and big decisions, my relationships and my interactions. Because of this relationship, we actually see the Sermon on the Mount being lived out. Now, I want to share the challenge that I can have. Can I just share? Y'all like when I share. Like, man, can we hear what you struggle with? I struggle with a lot of stuff. But in this particular area, again, seeking God's kingdom, it includes the church. It includes his mission, his will. It includes him. We, we, we get that, right? We're understanding that, right? But sometimes we can, we can take one of those components and seek that first. Like, I can seek God's church and not seek God. I can seek relationships but not seek God. You guys get what I'm saying? And so here's one of my challenges that, that's been there, and, and God has been, been working on me, and it just fairly recently, about three weeks ago, uh, maybe it was two and a half weeks ago, I'm not sure, but just a couple of weeks ago, God was making abundantly clear, Marcel, you are seeking my mission more than you're seeking me. So I'm like, God, I'm fired up. There's all these things. I'm learning. Man, this is cool. I can't wait to do your mission. But God was like, yes, you're doing this for me, but you're not doing this with me. You're doing a lot of stuff for me, but you are not with me. You're seeking a part of my kingdom, but you're not seeking my kingdom. You guys get what I'm saying? And so I'm grateful that God was humbling me. And I feel like I'm on an upswing. But I'm realizing again more and more how in tune I need to be because I didn't realize it when I was in the moment. I didn't realize it. But by the grace of God, he's like, hey, you veered, and I need to bring you back. Some of us had veered from seeking first his kingdom, and he's calling you back. And so you might be seeking a portion of the kingdom, or maybe you're not seeking the kingdom at all. God is calling you to be realigned with him. And his will. And so I do humbly submit. I know I get some of you guys go, hey, man, we're praying for you. And trust me, I, I appreciate it. I need prayer. But I do ask, I, I do sincerely ask, please pray for me. Pray for me that I can make sure I seek his kingdom first and not his mission first. I need that. And so I'm just humbly submitting that request to you. And if you don't know me, just make sure you say Marcel in your prayer, not Marcus. So how do we respond? I think we have to ask ourselves this question. Do I have or do I still have kingdom values and ethics? Am I living like I'm a citizen in the kingdom of heaven? Or am I living like a citizen somewhere else? And if so, am I actively helping those who belong to God's church to also 
adopt kingdom values and ethics. And so I want to close out here with some action steps here for the week. And first off is to go through the Sermon on the Mount this week. And so you can split it up into seven days. You can do it all in one day. You can do it uh, in many different ways. But I want to encourage you, go through the Sermon on the Mount this week and spend some time reflecting on these kingdom values and ethics that Jesus articulates. And it's always good to kind of do a panoramic view to read it all once and then you'll be able to break it down. That's actually the best way to, to, to study out the scriptures. But to gather, okay, let, let me get this, this bird's eye view and reflect upon it. And then ask yourself these two questions and answer them. Do I have the same kingdom values and ethics? As I see what Jesus taught, what he says, here's the Christian constitution. Do I just agree or believe, or do I actually have these for myself and in my life? And then second, am I truly seeking the reign and rule of Jesus Christ? And if you come out and it's yes, hallelujah. That's awesome, and I know there will be many like that, and that's great. Here's the call then, as you reflect, then to go help others to do the same. This isn't a uh, 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 oh, I just do it for myself. This is now, okay, you know what? I need to help that brother, that sister, my neighbor. Hey, you know what? This stranger, whatever the case may be. So that they too, like a Maddie, can enter God's church and kingdom in the waters of salvation. And if that's not you, when you come through this and, and you realize, you know what, I'm not, then get some help. Get some help. Go ahead. Hey, hey, let me raise, the, let me raise my hand here. I need some help, brothers. I need some help, sisters. Can you help me to get realigned with kingdom values and ethics? Right now, we're going to take communion. Communion, the bread and juice are the emblems that represent his body and blood that was sacrificed for our salvation. And as we do that, I want you to imagine if you truly, fully adopted God's kingdom values and ethics. Imagine if you fully adopted God's kingdom values and ethics. Imagine if your household, the people you live with, subscribed to kingdom values and ethics. Imagine if your family group lived out kingdom values and ethics. Imagine if our local North OC family, our local North OC church, imagine if we fully embraced kingdom values and ethics. Imagine a society that was inspired by kingdom values and ethics. Imagine a savior who modeled kingdom values and ethics and died so his followers would belong to his church. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this chance to be reminded this chance to maybe be educated, this chance to see where we are, to see who you are, and to know that your kingdom values and ethics are things that, that we actually appreciate, that are radical, that are different. But God, again, to be reminded that Jesus modeled these things, that he didn't just teach them, but that he modeled them. And God, we know that he, he, he gave himself up 
as a sacrificial offering so that we can have this relationship with you, so that we can respond and receive your Holy Spirit on the days of our salvation through the waters of baptism. And God, we are humbled and grateful. And God, may that be our inspiration to look at the Sermon of the Mount this week, to examine and ask ourselves some sobering, honest questions, and to have a true, honest answer to them. God, may we be centered in you. May we be inspired by the cross and led by your spirit to be aligned with your will. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you. In his name, amen.